<laughs> hey, Frenchie. How are you doing? Hi, James. I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good on this gloomy, uh, gloomy day. It's very gloomy. Yeah. yeah. Although with it raining, it means that there will be no motorcycle kids out, so it'll be a little quieter. Ooh, yeah, but I want to be friends with them though, so I don't know if uh, <laughs> if I like that they're not out right now. You can still be friends with them. They just won't be interrupting our podcast. <laughs> I appreciate that fact. Hey, Frenchie. So, uh, what is this podcast right now that we're having at this moment in time? So this is the Creature Collective. So welcome. Do you want to describe what it is? The Creature Collective. So basically, if it's been rarely cited, if it has some blurry photos of it, if it's a cryptid, we're going to talk about it. And you better believe, you better believe I'm going to have some words about it. All right. (laughs) We have opinions. (laughs) I'm going to have opinions. I'm very opinionated. (laughs) So Frenchie, what is your... uh, what, what, what drew you to uh, the cryptozoology sector? I guess I guess for me, I was kind of born into weirdness. My dad is a prop maker. He like, so my house is always full of like super weird things that he built. And he made this really hyper-realistic Victorian uh, graveyard in our front yard that we made permanent. And like, uh, there's this one time... Uh, uh, a pizza delivery guy came to our house and refused to get out of the car because it was too scary. <laughs> I'll never forget that. <laughs> oh, man, staring pizza delivery, man. This is ridiculous. I know, it was so great. <laughs> like me and my two siblings, these tiny little kids just go running towards this car. Because <laughs> um, nothing is scarier than two little kids coming out of a graveyard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that. It was very probably scary. really scary for him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna let you know. Um, but yeah, so we also had like the biggest game shop in our county for a little while. So I've been around a lot of monster manuals and I just really like things that creep. <laughs> Ooh, I am a, also a thing that creeps. <laughs> you are a thing that creeps. <laughs> you're a creeper. <laughs> this is so me. James, who are you and why are you into uh, cryptozoology? Hi, I'm James. I'm six one and three quarters. <laughs> if that's pertinent information. This is not a dating profile, uh, James. I, oh, yeah, damn. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so my, my pops used to watch a lot of Star Trek. And then uh, I started watching Star Trek more. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And he used to watch X-Files. Yeah. So... I used to watch Star Trek, the original season. I had like a lot more like monstery aliens. I was like, ooh, yeah. where's this more? Where are more monsters? What are these uh, cool cryptids? I didn't call them cryptids. I called them monsters because I didn't know that yeah. word. Until, yeah, I also said monsters. Until very recently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was like, yeah, this is cool. I want to learn more about it. So then I started watching uh, documentaries about uh, Bigfoot and stuff like that. Yeah. Where there were... Um, Monster Quest. Yeah, Monster <laughs> Quest. <laughs> Old Caucasian man. Ancient aliens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I love that stuff. And yeah. yeah, so that's where it came from. Just uh, seeing monsters on Star Trek and on X-Files. And I was like, oh, let me research more about this shit. And then I have been grown into this very a uh, weird person that you were meeting today. <laughs> yeah. This beautiful, weird person that is James. Yes. 
Didn't you also wear dragon shirts when I, you were a kid? I did wear dragon shirts. And I also, <laughs> in middle school and high school, I wore dress shirts and a tie. And I only got compliments from the teachers. I didn't get compliments from, <laughs> from anybody else. They were like, oh, that's a, per- that's a perfect dimple. That's a perfect Windsor. It looks beautiful. I was like, thank you. I was like, also, can you give me a better grade in your class? He was like, no, you're very terrible as a student. <laughs> he just likes your ties. Yeah, he just likes my ties. <laughs> You're putting the other He's kids like, to shame. Thank you, Mr. Bernardo. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today, Frenchie? Today, we're talking about the Jersey Devil. Yes, which is a huge topic. Like the more I learned, there was there was more to be learned. It's crazy. <laughs> and and I'm from uh-huh. Jersey, so it holds a little bit uh, uh, of 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 uh, a close to my heart it's very yeah. beautiful it's like it's like right there it's, it's right in there. honor of james's home state yes <laughs> are you you're not from south jersey not from though, north right? jersey oh yeah. okay so i don't have a southern accent <laughs> yeah <laughs> you don't sound like you're from louisiana <laughs> <laughs> say no that's not me but yeah so we're gonna talk about the jersey devil and yeah yeah so i'm gonna tell you uh, a little description of the Jersey Devil. Uh, Do it. I mean, if you open your books to chapter... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the Jersey Devil, the description of the Jersey Devil is uh, it's described as a kangaroo-like creature with the face of a horse, the head of a dog, bat-like wings, horns, and a tail. The face of a horse and the head of a dog? How does that even work? I, look, I don't know. It looks weird. <laughs> It looks. I guess the size of its head is a, the, 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 the 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 size of a dog head. I don't know. She, I, look, I got this over cryptozoology.com, son. I just imagine like a face, like a horse face, like squished on like a bulldog's head that for some so, reason. That is so creepy. Yeah. And accurate. <laughs> Like I'm looking at one of these pictures and one of them looks like a little man. Like it looks like a little yeah. a little man with like a turnip head. Or like Parappa the Rapper. You see Parappa the Rapper? I don't think so. Oh no, yeah, like a Parappa the Rapper. Okay, I'll look that up. We should put these pictures on our Instagram. Yes. And also Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> yeah. Um, Frenchie, you have more of a detailed Oh yeah. Uh yeah. in-depth so I wrote- look. A book report. Yeah. I read the book. So this is our main source. It's called The Secret History of the Jersey Devil by Brian Regal and Frank Esposito. And we'll we'll also post our sources uh, in the show notes because there are lots and lots of them. Um, Yeah, I wrote a whole book report about this. (laughs) A seven page book report. And I appreciate you because I wasn't going to do that. I'm also very lazy. (laughs) That's okay. You get to do the uh, you get to do the people part. Yes, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> okay, so the Jersey Devil is like I said, a very big subject. Um, it it's kind of and it has several different origin stories. Some of them are political. Some of them are media based. Some of them are just general folklore. Um, some of them are super xenophobic. Um, there's a lot. There's a super lot to unpack here. I'm I also I afraid of Xena. Uh, <laughs> Xena? <laughs> you should be. She's a warrior. She's a warrior princess. <laughs> but, oh, that's interesting. Xenophobia. Yeah. That has not yeah. driven uh, anything in America yeah. for a while. No, nothing at all. 
I'm going to I'm going to mute this and clear my throat really fast. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to vamp for a little bit then. Okay, I'm back. Oh, okay, she's back. <laughs> I didn't have to vamp for that long. All right. So, the most widely accepted story is the story of Mother Leaves. And uh, so, so I'm going to tell you that story. So on a thundering light in Leeds Point in the English colony of West Jersey, because New Jersey was originally separated into West Jersey and I think East Jersey, and then they became one state later. Um, Mother Leeds was giving birth to her 13th child. Jesus. She came. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So she came from a family that wasn't wealthy by any means. And her husband was a drunkard who spent money frivolously. Uh, and when she found out that she was pregnant for the 13th time, understandably, she cursed, let this child be a devil. I don't know why I did that voice. I I, I appreciate it because it adds drama to the whole uh, thing. <laughs> <laughs> so months later, surrounded by her sympathetic women and her midwife, a storm raged above Leeds Point and she gave birth to a monster. But it wasn't born a monster. It didn't start out that way. It was born a normal child with 10 fingers, 10 toes. Like and me. then within minutes, yeah, like you, yeah, yeah. like me. <laughs> I I think you had ten fingers yeah. and ten toes. And I I've slowly, never counted your toes. I slowly morphed into a monster. <laughs> a six foot one and three quarters monster. Six foot one and three quarters, ladies, ladies, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it rose to the height of a fully grown man within minutes with cloven hooves, giant bat wings, glowing red eyes, um, and. Then it devoured its mother and her attendants. So that's not cool. It's not cool at all. (laughs) Not a great start. Um, It's sometimes believed that Mother Leeds was a sorceress or a witch, um, definitely a product of her time since the Salem witch trials happened pretty close to this, a little bit bit before this. Um, Now there's no record of a woman in the Leeds family who goes by Mother Leeds or had uh, uh, 13 children. Um, but there is an interesting parallel between Mother Leeds and a woman named Anne Hutchinson, who was a uh, kind of like a religious activist at the time. She was part of something called the Free Grace Controversy or the Antinomian Controversy. They called themselves Antinomians, and they believed that in order to achieve salvation, believers had to hear the Spirit of the Lord on a personal level. That, that's that's called schizophrenia. I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, nothing against schizophrenia, but I think yeah. that's called that. Yeah, I don't think that's God. I think that's probably <laughs> yeah, probably mental a, illness. Needed, or like that. Needs to be treated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so they believed that the puritanical beliefs at the time just weren't enough, and they questioned whether the clergy was qualified to act as intercessors between them and God. And so, which is also something that Quakers believed, but we'll get into that later. Um, so she and her brother-in-law, John Wheelwright, led a cause against Puritans. And in a, as a result, they were arrested for heresy and they were banished from Boston, which is kind of cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah. get out of Boston. Yeah. Like, sorry, you can't be get here out of Boston. you're banished. <laughs> you, and, you and the Wahlbergs, get out of Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too much Wahlbergs. <laughs> So, in the more accepting city of Providence, she became pregnant with her 16th child, which is, oh my God, I can't even imagine 16 kids. Jesus. I know. And uh, she ended up giving birth to a child that was barely recognizable as human, 
which is actually kind of understandable yeah. considering she already had 15 children mm-hmm. prior to this. Yeah. So her body probably wasn't really capable of like growing a healthy child. You, um, and yeah. you know how yeah. they feel, felt about deformities back then. So yeah. it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and actually that's something that comes into play later too, which is really interesting. Um, but anyway, so um, pregnancy was also just kind of difficult in general at the time, but Puritans believed that her monstrous child was punishment for her blasphemy. Um, one of her protégés named uh, Mary Dreyer also gave birth to a deformed child around the same time and was executed for converting to Quakerism. Um, and Hutchinson was killed by Native Americans because of their own religious persecution from the Christians. Um, and the Puritans believed that kind of like their violent death and their children were... Um, you know, it was their punishment, and they used that to kind of manipulate their followers into acting the way they wanted them to act. Mm. Um, and it's possible that these two, like, super bold women, their monstrous children, the deaths and the, uh, um, the deaths that were super violent, kind of influenced the mother lead story. And it's also oh. basically the same story of a real person giving birth to a monster, quote-unquote. Just like it's just um, not, as, not as cool. It's like... Okay, yeah. this lady had a lot of kids and she gave birth to a deformed yeah. child. Uh, yeah, it's no, not a, it's, yeah, it's not not a horse-faced like, dog, yeah. but it's still a monster. It's still, still a monster. <laughs> According to them, they're like, like you look, you look kind of weird looking, so let's call you a monster. Not yeah. like, I'm pretty sure they didn't have like a dog horse head or something like that. Yeah, no. It just wasn't very human looking. It was a non, not human looking human. Um, so another story... <laughs> Another story that's similar is more of an anti-immigration story. This is one is this one's the xenophobic story. So this one tells of a Polish family who gave birth to a creature that's very similar to the Jersey Devil. It had all the classical devil features, you know, it had red skin, horns, claw, hooves, the pointed tail, the whole works. Wait, one claw? <laughs> Just one. <laughs> one on its right hoof. <laughs> Just one claw. It's like a hoof with one claw coming off of it. <laughs> This is a weird-ass Jersey Devil right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, as the child was delivered, the doctor cried out, Great God, we must kill the thing. I'm loving these reenactments. I'm loving these (laughs) reenactments. I didn't know I had this in me. (laughs) So, they dubbed this creature the Devil Kid. Um, and it was used kind of as a, a cautionary tale against the evils of immigration at the time, which is pretty shitty. Um, but it didn't last very long because it served its purpose. So it was then killed off soon after by the same newspaper men who created it. So this was basically like an elaborate, I guess, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a hoax because really it was just a story. So an elaborate story made up by newspaper people. They have, news, they have never done that before. Never. They've never, never made up stories. <laughs> Definitely not something that's to happening su- all the time right now. To service their own agenda. I've never heard of that before. And how dare you say that? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's talk a little bit more about where the creature comes from. So we talked about the main stories of the creature. Now we're going to talk about its habitat. So the Jersey Devil comes from the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. Have you been to the Pine Barrens? I have not been out of my block. No, I'm messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> Not ever to the pine. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I mean, I've, I probably would know if I've been there. But then again, I wouldn't. I mean, like all of high school, all of my younger years is a blur of marijuana <laughs> smoke. So I have no idea 
where I have been and where I haven't been. Same, actually. So maybe, yeah. maybe I have been there. Yeah. So the New Jersey uh, Pine Barrens are the super dense subtropical forest that stretches from New Jersey to New York and Massachusetts. So it's huge. Um, and they still remain like mostly, uh, whoa, mostly rural despite being surrounded by metropolises in New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania. So even though it's surrounded by like densely populated cities, it's still pretty rural. I'll probably deliver paint there before. I should deliver. I can see that. Yeah. Oh, you ain't from around here, are you? <laughs> it's like, aren't you from Jersey? But why are you talking like that? <laughs> you're like, I'm from down the street. Yeah, like, like, you're not from around here. <laughs> you're, not from, you're not from good old Jersey. <laughs> Probably the first time they saw a black person. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. And they was not happy. They was not happy at all. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> um, what's really creepy about the Pine Barrens is that the trees, the tannins from the tree's roots turn the water either this deeply black or bloody red, which is crazy. And I've seen the I've seen like the deep black waters when I've gone hiking in like different parts near the Appalachian Trail, but those aren't the Pine Barrens. But it is really spooky. It's just straight black water. That like, is pretty spooky from a movie. Yeah, it's anything super that I've never like if I can't see the bottom, I'm not going in there. Ooh yeah, no, well, that's just I don't like it. Scary. <laughs> Large bodies of water of water are terrifying. I mean, unless you at camp. I mean, only thing I worried about at camp was like the nipple fish that will bite your nipples. <laughs> What's a nipple fish? It's a, it's a fish that bites your nipples. <laughs> I think somebody made that up to scare you, James. Maybe, but people was coming out the water with their nipples bit, oh and God, it was bleeding. What? So I don't know. That's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, to this day, people still like speak of having a very eerie feeling while they're in the Pine Barrens, which is understandable. It's also super humid. So it's probably super hard to breathe in the Pine Barrens. Um, and if you're not used to having difficulty breathing, I think that would be pretty scary. Just suddenly having your breath taken away for no reason, you know? Exactly. Um, you might think you in love or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this what love feels like? <laughs> <laughs> They see the like blood water. They're like, oh, <laughs> my breath is taken away. I can't breathe. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm in love. <laughs> um, so, settlers at the time they were living in a new climate. They were dealing with new creatures that they had never seen before. One of which is is called the Sandy Hill Crane, and they can have wingspans up to seven feet long, which is huge. It's insane. It's like as as long as like basketball players are tall. Yeah, That's seven feet long, ladies. I'm six foot one. I'm just saying. <laughs> He's a foot shorter. I'm a foot than shorter. Some some basketball players. But I may I may go for it in a lot of different ways. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> James is a little bit thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. You would say that to me. I'm trying really hard not to hit my table. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's get back to the Jersey Devil. Um, along with the along with the uh, Sandy Hill Crane, there's also great horned owls, and they can have wingspans up to a meter and a half, which is 
you know, smaller than seven feet, but still like almost four feet. That's a, that's huge. Um, uh, and along with those settlers began finding fossilized remains of dinosaurs and mammoths and plesiosauruses, which are the water ones that look like Loch Ness monster. So they're finding these huge gargantuan skeletons that kind of seem to confirm the old creatures of lore that other people like sailors and like dragons, things like that. And so suddenly it seems possible that these creatures might be wandering the unexplored parts of the new world, which would be terrifying. That is like, very if you terrifying. don't know what they are. Yeah. Can that you imagine? What? And there's yeah. no Google Maps or nothing like that. So I'm getting yeah. lost. Yeah. There's no Wikipedia to tell you what a plesiosaurus is. They're just like, what the fuck is a sea monster? Um, so with these like creatures in their backyards, the native Lenape stories which were also about large creatures, started to seem a little possible for the settlers at the mm. time. So it could be that the Jersey Devil is kind of the product of giant creatures being morphed into Lenape gods through cultural transmission. Um, the Lenape forest god, for instance... Okay, so I looked up how to pronounce this and there isn't a whole lot of information on it in general. Come on, I, I believe called... in you. I believe in you. <laughs> I think it's called Masingwe. Oh, that sounds right. You said, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Look. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know either, so we could both be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody please correct us on that. Um, <laughs> but be nice. We're sensitive babies. <laughs> Ladies, I'm sensitive, and I'm also 6'1". I'm just letting y'all know. <laughs> so the, the Lenape forest god Masingwe, also known as the mast god, um, was believed to maintain the balance of nature. So he kept things like uh, earthquakes from happening, storms from happening. He might also have been associated with uh, the harvest because he came to live with the Lenape people during the fall. Um, but I can't find anything to like corroborate that, that information because there isn't a lot about this god. Um, but anyway, so he was believed to have a face that was both half was half black and half red. So the Lenape started wearing a mask to like commemorate that god. And they also started making totem poles to that god in their homes. Um, and he's associated with the hunt and with, with deer specifically. Um, he's often seen as kind of like a deer-like creature or riding on the back of a deer. And it kind of reminds me, have you, you, you've seen Princess Mononoke, right? Yes. I love that movie. I know. It's so good. It kind of reminds me of the forest god in that movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of wondering if they took inspiration from that god for that creature, actually. That'd be really cool. I mean, probably. They take a lot of inspiration from a lot of different um, folklore. Yeah, so cool. Okay, so Christians, um, as you probably know, generally believe that anything that's worshipped outside of their god is associated with their devil. But the Lenape people had no notion of Satan. They didn't believe that there was any single like entity that can, that was all evil or reigned over all other, other evil things. They believed in the existence of good and evil, but they believed that they could maintain a balance between that by praying and, and having ceremonies for good gods and taking precautions against evil ones. Polytheistic. <clears throat> yeah, heck yeah. But the colonists, of course, they have, they, what is likely, what could have happened is that um, because the colonists at the time 
believed that all or all evil originates from one source. They might have assumed that their evil, that their gods were evil and associated with Satan. So something that was like a beautiful forest god that flies on the back of a of deer may have turned into a devilish creature. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, it's possible that it came from some cultural tran uh, transmission and like colonizers' f fear of the woods. <laughs> I, I believe everyone should be afraid of the woods. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, the woods are pretty scary. I have some like little woods in my neighborhood and they're like, they're a little scary. I saw a wild turkey once. That was cool. <laughs> wild turkeys are very scary. As, <laughs> as you say, the woods are very scary. I found turkeys in there. <laughs> <laughs> this one was pretty sad. It was like super skinny and just kind of like running around. <laughs> oh no. I wish people could see the way that you're running around. Just consists of you like flapping your arms like a... <laughs> Like a velociraptor. <laughs> oh, I'm going so fast. I don't know why I have to act out every single thing. <laughs> Just like people have to see what's in my brain and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> people need to know. They need to know. Yeah, they have to know that it looked like it was flapping its wings mm -hmm. all the time. Um but yeah, I don't think I don't think it's very healthy. It's like a, a tiny little turkey in like a New York forest. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that that's in a, it's an environment that it wants to be in. No, the rabbits are cute though. Rabbits are cute. Yeah, they're adorable. I'll go on the record and say rabbits are cute. They're so cute. <laughs> Do you know that people sometimes call the baby rabbits kittens? Those people are wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> but okay. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, so it's it's likely that Native American stories uh, influenced the Jersey Devil stories as well. Um, but although it's a pretty sensational creature, the real story of the Jersey Devil is a lot more innocuous, but also historically significant. I'm going to blow your mind. I love all these <laughs> vocabulary words you're using right now. I'm like, ooh, innocuous? Ooh. I like the word innocuous. Ooh. It's not very dubious. It's a big word mm. that means it's not very big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big Inagious. word that means insignificant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting hot from laughing too much. Okay. So now we have to talk about mm. the Leeds family because the Jersey Devil was originally the Leeds Devil from Leeds Point. Yeah. And the Leeds family came to West Jersey while fleeing religious persecution in England, like a lot of people did at the time. So Thomas is the senior Leeds, um, and he was imprisoned multiple times in England for his heretical beliefs, which was Quakerism, essentially. Um, so he took his, his sons to the New World so that they could practice Quakerism in peace. The mother, unfortunately, died um, before she could come to the, uh, to the States. Now, the star of the story is Daniel Leeds, which is Thomas's son. And he was deeply religious from a very early age. He and his, his brothers would pray with his mom daily, and he always looked back on that with fondness. Um, and he had his first vision when he was 12 years old, which, again, could, could possibly be schizophrenia. We don't know. Look, I, I don't know most things, but I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uninformed and very angry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, he continued to have visions well into his 20s when he did come to the United States. Um, in each vision, he was visited by Jesus, and he developed a great love and fascination for personal mysticism. And that would come into play in the rest of his life. Personal mysticism? What is that like? Yeah. Okay. What is we'll that just like? It. Okay. I don't want to like, you know, I want to stop your flow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop my flow. It's good. <laughs> so at 20, he started to worry for him, his soul and started exploring what he believes to be the nature of the human spirit. And in doing so, he discovered writings from people by uh, Jacob Bohm, Francis Bacon, who were, the, who were some of the founders of the scientific revolution at the time. And he believed that with inductive reasoning and fact-based knowledge, he could unlock the secrets of the universe and therefore become closer to God. So he believed that knowledge was um, was a big factor in what what's, what was his personal religion. Oh, that's crazy. So so like learning things and not not like uh, cutting off your knowledge of certain things makes you closer to God. Who would have knew? Who would have <laughs> who would have thought? That, right <laughs> that it's accepting science and scientific development uh is a is a good thing who knows who knows yeah maybe he's well, right maybe he's wrong well the quakers didn't seem to think so <laughs> but we'll get to that <laughs> so uh the leeds family prospered in west jersey they got a they got a really nice place um near the ocean in the pine barrens that they called that they called Leeds Point, which is the birthplace of the Leeds Devil. And Daniel married a few times, but his first three marriage ended in tragedy. They either they either died from disease or in childbirth. And then his last wife, Jane Revel, is sometimes referred to as Mother Leeds in the myth. Um, having built himself this like comfortable, practical life where he makes barrels all the time, he started to feel kind of like a stirring in his soul. He wasn't feeling fulfilled. And so he was drawn a little more towards his studies, the things that he, that really, that he loved the most, the things that brought him closer to God and decided to pursue the hobby that would lead to the creation of the Jersey slash Leeds devil. <laughs> so um, he believed, like, like I was saying before, that he could bring the scientific revolution to his fellow Quakers. And in doing so, bring them closer to God by unlocking the secrets of the universe. Um, and with this in mind, he created his first Leeds Almanac, um, which featured also astrology. Um, the Leeds Almanac is kind of cool because it was the first almanac in New, in New Jersey and the first almanac south of Massachusetts, I think. I'll have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, but uh, the Quakers were not pleased. So you're, you know... You're right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not pleased at all. How dare, how dare you? Yeah. So the Quakers felt that his writings were offensive to the church and too occultish. And occultish at the time didn't mean the same thing that it means now. It meant more like secret knowledge. Um, and they believed that it was just a little too anti, like in their opinion, like anti-church, even though he didn't believe that. Um, so they ordered all of the copies that could be found to be collected and destroyed basically burned his little his little book his little pamphlet um and they ordered Leeds to apologize like publicly in front of the quakers and he had a terrible stutter so humiliated and rejected he stuttered an apology in front of his peers uh which sucks yeah that that, be... yeah that sucks 
Yeah. It's like public <laughs> speaking one-on-one. That sucks. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah. Um, so this rejection kind of reminded him of, like, what his family went through in England. Um, but it kind of steeled him in his resolve to write a book. Um, let's talk about Quakers for a little bit because it's kind of – it's a lot more interesting than I than I remember it being from school. I remember them being, like, very mild-mannered and, like, we love everybody. We love um, oatmeal. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they do love everybody. They originally called themselves the Society of Friends. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. That's so lame. <laughs> I know. Already it sounds terrible. <laughs> hey, guys, we're the Society of Friends, guys. Yeah. Like, these are all of my friends, and these are all of my other friends, and we're a society. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, really? What do you call yourself? The Society of Friends. It's like the bootleg Justice League, bro. The Society of Friends. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so they were considered nonconformists um, because of their anti-authoritarian nature, which is super interesting. Basically, they believed that nothing should come between God and the believer except for the Bible. So they rejected um, political authority. They rejected, they rejected religious authority. They felt like um, like there was no reason to have a priest to be between them and God. It was just kind of like they didn't they didn't feel that they had the authority to speak for God. Um, they got their name because they believed that dancing brought them closer to God, so they quaked for God. <laughs> oh no, that's also lame. I know. <laughs> <laughs> They were so anti-authoritarian that they sometimes even rejected wearing clothes in public. <laughs> okay, that's that's a different type of... Okay, oh, that's, yeah. I like it now. <laughs> so sometimes they would just go in public with only like a pan to cover their privates. And that's it. <laughs> okay, that's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? So they were like really, really early hippies, basically. Okay. <laughs> I like that. They're like... Peace and love and Jesus and no no authority. And you can't tell me what to do. Let's be naked with uh, jingle bits and pans and, and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this like weird naked behavior and their anti-authoritarian nature threatened other religions who strongly believed in church authority. And so it led to their persecution, which is why they came to the New World. Privately... Quakers were pretty captivated by witches and astrology and other occult things, but publicly they didn't support those things. And I think it was this hypocrisy um, along with his super public humiliation that, that kind of inspired Leeds to become the political monster um, that he would become. Um, <laughs> said become twice. <laughs> that was dumb. Uh, look, the <laughs> fact that I didn't even notice that shit it's like, hey, <laughs> until you pointed that out. <laughs> yeah. So um, he decided to write a book called The Temple of Wisdom, which sounds like some Indiana Jones shit. <laughs> I, bro, that's awesome. The other shit yeah. that they do, that's, I mean, like, that, to each their own, but that's, that right there is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he wrote the Temple of Wisdom, which is was a compilation of works from his favorite um, scientists, philosophers, and theologians. 
um, along with sections that he wrote about angels, natural magic, and astrology. Ooh. Yeah. Natural right? magic. I'm all for natural magic. <laughs> yeah, me too. Under different circumstances, I feel like like he could have been incorporated, like his beliefs could have been incorporated into like modern pagan practices, you know? Um, but also, if he was a woman, he could have been tried for witchcraft. That is true. And it's kind of surprising, actually, that he wasn't uh, tried for witchcraft at his time, because men were also tried for witchcraft. Hey, it's, it's, it's almost as if people just don't like women in general. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> it's almost as if it wasn't just about the witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, as such... Uh, the the Quakers staunchly rejected his work, and they were already pretty uncomfortable with his uh, astrological leanings to begin with. So they also uh, wanted that destroyed. They destroyed a lot of his early works. Um, so defeated, um, he thought he saw himself as being this like metaphysical philosopher amongst the Pine Barrens, but he was defeated by the Quakers. So instead he became a super harsh political attack dog instead and spent the rest, dedicated the rest of his life to fighting his opponents and especially Quakers. Look, He's if, like, you, if you call yourself this circle of friends, you're getting taken the fuck down. Yeah. This, this is No, this is a society of friends. Yeah. This is even worse. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this circle of friends sounds a little bit better. He was like, I thought you guys were my friends. <laughs> I thought you guys were my Clearly friends. Not. <laughs> You're taking out the whole society. Yep. Yeah. That's what uh, he wanted to do. I'm saying society weird today. Or do I <laughs> always say it like or do I always say it like that? I don't mm. know. Maybe you do. I oh, feel like no. I'm really aware of the way I'm talking because people are gonna listen to this. <laughs> that is true. Maybe. Hopefully they will. At least two people are gonna listen to yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and also and also I probably said some things on here which I'm probably gonna regret later on. I know. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> Uh, well, that's life, I guess. <laughs> My name is James. I I don't believe in the celibate trials. I love women. <laughs> Thank you, James. I, as a woman, appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being my spokesperson. <laughs> uh, okay, so Leeds prepared to renew his almanac again. This time he included the 12 months, their weather patterns, their eclipses, the risings and settings of the, of the sun and moon. Um, he also included uh, medical astrology, not really sure what that is, um, scientific astronomy, which sounds a lot like a different way of saying medical astrology, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what? Medical astrology? Yeah. What in the world is that? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's like being healed by the stars. Oh no, that don't work. <laughs> oh no, you're gonna die. Oh. Yeah. Although, if you think about it, technically, if without astrology, I don't think astronomy really would have been a thing. So we kind of needed astrology first. I guess so. Yeah. I don't cool. look. I don't know that many things. Like I said before. <laughs> So I'm just going to confer to you and be like, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> All I did was read a book. I'm not an expert. <laughs> I'm not an astrologer or an astronomer. <laughs> Look, I'm a medical astrologer, so. Oh, 
Well, I've got some questions later, James. No, I'm not going to say that was good. I didn't say that that was good. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> uh, and he also included, as always, um, his signature excerpts from well-known uh, authors that he loved. Now, he, at the time, there was a new, like, Copernican movement that was happening. And he believed that in their notion that the Earth orbited the sun and not the other way around. And that was not a really widely held belief at the time. And it ended up solidifying his placement on the church's banned books list. He, he was undeterred by this. He continued publishing several works that incorporated astrology into the Christian doctrine. Um, and in the process, unbeknownst to him, a new group of settlers were arriving whose beliefs were much more aligned to his. Um, there was a growing anti-Quaker movement. Anglican leaders formed something called the Society for Propagation of the Gospels, <laughs> which is a mouthful. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of societies. Yeah, this is like a whole bunch of society. society. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they created the Society for the Propagation of the Gospels as a tool to spread Anglicanism and suppress the Quakers at the time. He was pretty excited about this and joined. Exactly. Fuck so, your society. We have our own yeah. society. Yeah. We're taking down your society. <laughs> That's right. My society is going to take down your society. Take down your society. <laughs> so he, they continued to censor his work. And he, with the same zeal that he used to support them, he now denounced the Quakers. And as a result, Quakers began to refer to him as evil. And it wouldn't be the first time that Elise was accused of demonic behavior. Ooh. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So he continued to squabble with the Quakers. He accused them of plagiarism, hypocrisy, whoredom, even. <laughs> Bro, like, what kind of word is whoredom? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, I wish I wrote down the name of the almanac he wrote. It was, oh, it's, it's something crazy. All of you out here with your whoredom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Um, his opponent, a Quaker named Caleb Pousset, not pussy, <laughs> I wasn't thinking that, but <laughs> oh, sad. Yeah. Oh, from um, Orange is the New Black. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. yeah, just like that. He responded in kind. He wrote his own pamphlets against Daniel that are like called Daniel Leeds, justly rebuked. To which Daniel published the rebuker rebuked. <laughs> Can we rebuke my rebuke? Rebuke your rebuke. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to rebuke your rebuke about my rebuke. Oh, you've just been fucking rebuked. <laughs> it was essentially like an early instance of savage subtweeting. <laughs> it's like a Twitter fight. Oh, shit. You just got rebuked, son. What? <laughs> so these fights were called pamphlet wars. Um, and they were pretty famous and pretty and, and pretty common. They weren't uncommon. And they often involved calling their opponent the devil because that was like the worst thing you could call a person. And though the Leeds devil might seem unique, really it's just one in a long line of political insults where people earned the name devil. So the Leeds family reputation was made worse by the fact that Daniel Leeds supported the first royal mayor named Lord Cornbury. Ooh. <laughs> Yo, that's what? That's the greatest right. name ever. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> I'm Lord Cornbury. Yeah. Lord Cornbury was accused of being a crossdresser, which sounds pretty great to me, honestly. Yeah, Lord. Who, what do you expect from a dude named Lord Cornbury? Right. Passing my corset. I'm Lord Cornbury. I know, it's amazing. I think that there's possibly a painting of him dressed as his cousin. 
his female cousin somewhere in one of the like historical societies here in New York. But they also like renamed it after a while to be an unnamed woman, which is mysterious. But he, he, I, I bet he looked better than his cousin, probably. I bet he did. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then at the time, we're wearing heels and stuff. Yeah, all of them was wearing heels. So yeah. <laughs> he probably just looked like a regular he dude. He looked great. But he was also accused of being like a spendthrift with taxes. It's <laughs> a fun word. Spendthrift. spendthrift. What? What is that? These are <laughs> words that I even know. Like it's like spending money all willy nilly. You know. Oh. <laughs> Lord Conbury, spendthrift, cross dresser. <laughs> oh, Lord Conbury is the shit, bro. So he convinced Cornbury. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna try not to laugh every time I say his name. <laughs> So they convinced him, or Daniel Leeds convinced him, not to hire the popularly elected uh, Quaker candidates. And he was like, yeah, sure, I I don't want to do that. I do what I want. And he didn't appoint them, um, which the Quakers hated, obviously. And they called it overly anti-Quaker. And they basically put so much pressure on Daniel Leeds that he was like, fuck this. I don't want to do politics anymore. I'm done. And he retired from the public life completely. He then handed his almanac, the Leeds almanac, over to his son, Titan, which is such a great name. Titan. Yeah. Oh, Titan Lord Cornbury Leeds. <laughs> Titan Leeds was only 16 at the time, but very much was following in his father's footsteps. He's a polymath, which is a cool term for he was good at multiple things, Word. you know? Can you be like a like an anti polymath where you're good at no things, but um, you try to do multiple things? Yeah, but I think that's just called dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh no! <laughs> Don't worry, James. It's not you. You're not dumb. <laughs> oh, no. Time Leeds was 16. He was a lot like his father. He excelled in multiple subjects, including math, science, and astronomy. He had a gift for predicting eclipses, which I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how you can predict an eclipse. Bro, I can predict an eclipse. (laughs) Go, give me your best prediction. An eclipse is going to happen pretty soon. (laughs) Thanks, James. That was more anticlimactic than I was expecting. You're welcome. You're welcome. So that means if it it does happen and it happens pretty soon, I'm on the money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just be vague. I can predict a lot of shit if you be vague. He was a gifted eclipse predictor. (laughs) He wasn't as interested in battling the Quakers as his father was, but the family controversy still followed him around. Six years later, Daniel Leeds, his father, passed away, and the pamphlet wars stopped, so there was no more fighting with the Quakers after that. Sort of. Not really. In his grief, Titan Leeds mentioned... Okay, let me get... Let me sort of get into character. If I write no more... You may think tis because a smoke breathed out to stifle me by the devil's emissary. I love that. (laughs) Standing ovation. Oh, thank you. (laughs) He wasn't sure if he wanted to continue publishing the almanac because of his grief, but despite everything, he carried on and he published it with as little friction as he could. He never named this smoke that breathed out to stifle me. He never (laughs) named his rival. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, you know, as, as was the tradition of the time, he used the same terms that had been thrown at his father to defame that unknown person. And since demonic influence was a major concern at the time, it was a really effective way of attacking an opponent and uh, hurting their reputation. Unfortunately, the devil was never too far from Titan himself. And soon he would meet his most malicious opponent yet. Oh, most basically. malicious opponent. 
Look, yeah. and with the little dance in the chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's doing like a little dance in the chair. I'm excited. <laughs> She's very excited. Because <laughs> things are about to get weird and silly. Oh. So, Richard Saunders was an English medical astrologer, mystic, and alchemist. I know this doesn't sound exciting, but it's going to get there. He was the author of an almanac called Writer's British Merlin. And with like the typical almanac topics at the time, he included medical astrology, just like Leeds, and also palmistry, so like reading the palm. There's also a famous pamphlet called Poor Richard's Almanac under the same name, which is pretty famous. But it wasn't written by this Richard Saunders. It was written by our very own good old Benny Franklin. Ooh, <laughs> Benny Frank Frank. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He'd already made a pseudonym for himself under the name Silence Do Good, which was a woman who wrote into uh, newspapers satirical letters that were kind of against societal hypocrisies at the time. And everybody thought she was so clever and were convinced that she was a woman, but it was really just Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Bro, that's like that's like when you're in a dating site and then you're like, "Ooh, she's bad." Ooh, and it's Benjamin Franklin. Sounds too good. Oh, <laughs> you do good. Ooh. <laughs> and oh, Benjamin no. Franklin's like, <laughs> no. "Oh no, it's Benjamin Franklin." I just been catfished by Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> oh no. So. Benjamin Franklin wanted to make money in the pamphlet business. And so basically what he did is he took Saunders's, Richard Saunders's views and essentially his identity. And he was just like, that's mine now. I'm Richard Saunders. <laughs> I like identity that. Theft. Yeah. <laughs> identity theft back then was just being like, All right, I'm this guy now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't know. That's, that's just my name. So while the Leeds Almanac was serious and scholarly, poor Richard's Almanac was satirical. And Franklin used that satire to ridicule his rival, Titan Leeds. And like his father before him, Titan found himself in an epic battle of the pamphlets. Though Franklin was definitely a more astute opponent. <laughs> but he catfished the whole nation, bro. So yeah. like, of course he's, he's better at it. So Franklin used, quote unquote, astrological techniques to falsely predict Titan's death. And in his almanac, he said, okay, Friend and fellow student of astrology dies by calculation at his own request on October 17th, 1733. By his own calculation, he will survive till the 26th of the same month. The small difference between us we have disputed whenever we have met these nine past years, but at length, he is inclinable to agree with my judgment. Which of us is most exact? A little time will now determine. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Benny, Benny Frank Frank. Benjamin Franklin is so sassy, bro. I know. They're not even friends. He's just pretending that they're friends. Oh, my goodness. And Tanley's like, what the fuck? I'm alive? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) What is Benjamin Franklin talking about? Yeah. He's like, bro. So catty. I'm alive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he responded, like, saying he was alive, basically, in his almanac and defaming Benjamin Franklin. And Benjamin Franklin was like, well, he's obviously too well-bred to attack me so indecently and scurrilously. So he must be a ghost. <laughs> oh, no! Bro, Benjamin Franklin is the most cattiest person ever, I know, bro. I love it. <laughs> so Titan Leeds did die five years later, though, in 1738. And uh, upon his death, Benjamin Franklin did not let up. He continued his ruse. 
he published a fake letter from Titan in the great beyond, wherein he claimed to be free of the prison of the flesh and could therefore see much farther into the future. Oh my goodness. This is, first of all, you can't attack a person posthumously. That's, that's very crazy. Apparently Benjamin Franklin is very sassy. He is, yeah. Unscrupulous. So he responded to this fictional letter that he wrote from the dead Titan Leeds and said, Honest Titan, deceased, was raised from the dead and made to abuse his old friend. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, come on. This guy, Benjamin Franklin. Love it. What a weirdo. I mean, he is a weirdo, but he's also he's also very sassy, and I appreciate he is. it. And he loves turkeys. He wanted them to be the uh, United States bird. Well, now we go back to turkeys. What is your infatuation <laughs> with turkeys right now? No, it's mm. not me. It's Benjamin Franklin. I just saw one. Oh, it's not you. It's Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> oh, is it, this is your excuse? James, I have a secret. I'm actually Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> I'm Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Happens every time. Every time I talk to a girl online, she turns into fucking Benjamin Franklin. I've been catfishing you this whole time. Oh I'm no! I'm not actually Frenchie. So, with the death of Titan Leeds came the birth of the Leeds Devil. Bum bum bum. Sorry, I don't know why I did that. I appreciate it. I appreciate your musical candor. I'm really excited. I can't help it. Okay, so it's possible that the overarching themes of the Mother Leeds Devil story may have also come from a hoax that, you guessed it, Benjamin Franklin created because he's creating all the hoaxes. He's the biggest catfish ever. He wrote another thing under another woman. <laughs> Yo, Benjamin Franklin loves that. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> So he created something called The Speech of Polly Baker. And Polly Baker was a fictional woman on trial for pregnancy out of wedlock for the fifth time. He wrote this because he was upset by the way women, but not men, were prosecuted for having children out of wedlock. And so this woman, this fictional woman, Polly Baker, she's on trial for the fifth time for having a baby out of wedlock. She's poor. She has no help from any of the fathers. She's shunned by both society and the courts. And it made her a pariah not unlike a witch. So she manages to convince one of the judges to marry her though, and in doing so escaped conviction, which is pretty great, good for her. And many people believed the story to be true, and Franklin didn't admit that it was a hoax until three decades later. He's the ultimate troll. He is, yeah. Benjamin <laughs> is the ultimate troll. Watch out 6ix9ine, yeah. Benjamin Franklin is the ultimate troll. Yeah, he really is. But the themes are really, once again, it parallels the Jersey Devil. It's the persecuted mother, the absentee father, social shunning, and hypocrisy. Super similar to the story of the devil. The Jersey Devil. Exactly. Yeah. Say Jersey if, before you say that. <laughs> Sorry, James. Yeah, the Jersey Devil. We're not talking oh, about the New York Devil. We're talking about the Jersey Devil. Did you know that the Jersey Devil is the only state demon yeah, because Jersey does it like that. Jersey is, is yeah. phenomenal in that certain situation. <laughs> All right. And so that's how the Leeds family became the parents of the Leeds devil. It was all a whole political, basically a political insult at the time. So while the Leeds devil may have only been a political ruse, its ancestor, the Jersey devil, would come into its own in the early 1900s. 
when an unidentifiable set of footprints appeared in the Pine Barren snow. Mm-hmm. And with the discovery of massive skeletons resembling monsters of lore, also came gaffes and hoaxes. Just like Benjamin Franklin, only physical things this time. Society became enamored with the strange and the disfigured, and freak shows became very popular. So if you had a deformed child, great, send them to a freak show, they'll make a lot of money. The bodies of creatures like Biblical Giants, the Devil Kid, the Fiji Mermaid, began popping up in what were called dime museums everywhere, and people paid good money to see them. Dime museums were kind of like exhibitions of curiosities, so kind of like wax museums in Vegas, you know? And the Jersey Devil, as we know it today, found its home in the Ninth and Arch Dime Museum of Philadelphia. It's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, you said that, like, it was just easy to say. And I applaud oh, I you did? for that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> like a circus sideshow, the Ninth and Arch showcased sword swallowers, illusionists, freaks, and animal acts. Now, in the late 1800s, remnants of the Leeds Devil story still remained kind of alive and well in the Pine Barrens. But it was no longer the bustling political and religious society that it had been in the 18th century. The Pine Barrens had now kind of slipped into obscurity. The rural inhabitants were not so affectionately named Pineys or Pine Rats. (laughs) Ooh, Pineys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they had more of a hillbilly reputation than a prestigious one, as you can imagine, with a name like Pine Rats. (laughs) Pine Rats. Yeah, it was like, that doesn't seem like a nice name. No. So many believed the Pineys to be dim-witted, country bumpkins, or wild men. And at least some of the Jersey Devil's image comes from their savage reputation. So a little bit classist. In the 1890s, basically, stories about the Jersey Devil began popping up again. A railroad engineer claimed that he and his crew came under attack by the Devil. And, okay, I'm going to try to do this in my best weird New Jersey, Louisiana accent. (laughs) My God, that ain't no owl. That's a Leeds devil. Back again, sure as you're alive. (laughs) That was perfect. That was perfect. I'm giving you an Oscar for that. Yes. (laughs) He believed the devil had actually come from Evesham Woods and that a religious cleansing had rid the area of the devil for about 100 years. And that belief was a little more widely spread than I think we would have imagined because it hadn't shown up for a really long time. People kind of lost interest. But another sighting in 1899 brought new life to the legend. In 1905, spurred on by the unidentifiable footprints in the snow, an article came out in the Trenton Times that closely resembled the Mother Leeds story. But in this story, the mother had just had a difficult birth, just one, and cursed her second child. And it was born a monkey-like thing that lived with the family for a few years after its birth, until it disappeared in 1808. The parents still maintained their identity as Leeds, but instead of being Daniel Leeds and his wife, it was Captain Leeds and Mother Leeds. And it was meant to be more of an article about a local legend and curiosity than anything in fact, but it gave a dime museum press agent named Norman Jeffries an idea. Norman, Norman, Norman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... At the Ninth and Dime, oops, at the Ninth and Arch Dime Museum, Norman Jeffries met with his bosses and told them the idea he had after reading the article. And seizing the opportunity to save their business, they began planting stories in local newspapers about the Leeds Devil. So once again, a little bit of fake news brings the Leeds Devil into the light. The interest began to grow and fear grew, and the Trenton Times published a front page article claiming Leeds Devil has Jersey people frightened. And soon, the Jersey never Devil that, got its name. Never that. We never frightened by nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Jersey people are never frightened by anything. Don't try to 
<laughs> don't don't spread those lies and accusations. That's not true. <laughs> hey, I didn't do it. It was a newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> With businesses picking up significantly, Jeffrey saw another chance to capitalize on the Jersey Devil legends. And keeping with the traditions of the Fiji mermaid and other taxidermy-created creatures, the boys at the Arch Museum came up with a plan. And a few days later, (laughs) this is really weird, a friend of the company known only as Professor Edwards lent them his pet kangaroo. First of all, is it a dead (laughs) kangaroo or is it a... It was a living one. Oh, no. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's messed up. So normally their taxidermist friends, Jacob Hope, worked with dead animals, but he had no problem working with this living kangaroo. He painted stripes on it, strapped a pair of homing wings to its back and gave it a set of antlers, which is super weird. He didn't kill it. He just, just, just kept gave it, it alive. So you let your, so you lean, like, like, uh, leaning. Oh my <laughs> God. What is the word? What? Lent? Lending. Yeah. What? <laughs> See, this is, oh my goodness. Like you, whatever, just continue. (laughs) I give up. So Norman Jeffries had connections in the circus world and hired a clown from the Ringling Brothers along with a few of his friends to act as monster hunters. And together they made this big show of an exhibition to catch the monster's creature. They're like, you guys, we're going to go catch a monster. Who wants to watch? Come on, we're going to go. He said, yeah, (laughs) we didn't hide it somewhere. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So with their with their little following of people, they made their way into the woods where they shouted desperately, shooting guns and screaming for show. <laughs> Which is kind of hilarious if you think about it. Yeah, because it's like you, if you if you already know that it's there and you're doing all this extra shit. Yeah. It's like, and you're in on a joke, you're like, okay, <laughs> this is too much. They're just like shaking trees <laughs> and shit. <They're> like, ah, <laughs> People are going crazy. (laughs) But the onlookers believed it. They were horrified at the sound of an actual animal's screams. And shortly after, the monster hunters came out with a cage covered by blankets. And it shook with the animal inside, making onlookers very scared. (laughs) Again, we're not scared about that situation. I know. They just had a a kangaroo in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> so they brought the cage to the 9th and Arch Street Dime Museum where they put it on display. Crowds swarmed the museum desperate to get a view of the villainous Jersey Devil. And in a dark room, curtains rose to reveal a monstrous creature. It terrified the audience by yelping and shouting, and it jumped and tried to flee its cage. Little did they know that its its fits were provoked by a hidden boy hired to poke and prod the creature. <laughs> oh, that's so fucked up. I know. What the hell? It's like, first of all, you strap these wings to this little kangaroo. And then, stuff. and then you paint it and then you put horns on it and then you start poking it. Oh, yeah. this is... I feel bad. I know. <laughs> like, it makes me feel bad. I know. This living kangaroo. With some dude's pet. <laughs> Yeah, and first of all, what, what is with that guy who just lends them his kangaroo? I know, he's like, yeah, sure, you can do what you want. He said, yeah, just put the horns on it, paint it, whatever. <laughs> Look, it likes it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's believed that in addition to egging on tales of the Jersey Devil, it also inspired sightings of a kangaroo-like creature called the Jabberwock, which is kind of cool. And what followed this whole shenanigans 
was the most sightings ever recorded of the Jersey Devil, known as Phenomenal Week, when more than 100 reports were made in seven days. Other hunts were made and several supposed bodies were recovered. Jersey Shore fishermen claimed to have come under attack by a giant bird-like creature. And in Virginia news, they claimed that a 20-inch version of the creature did exist, had been found and killed. So like a little tiny version of it. <laughs> and despite his profound success, the Ninth and Arch closed and Jeffrey found himself labeled as a diabolical press agent for creating the hoax. He's very diabolical. <laughs> yeah. Very diabolical. As, from what I understand, it, I think the kangaroo made it back to Professor Edwards in one piece. Yeah, but fuck that fun. guy. I know. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> I love that he just goes by Professor Edwards. Professor Edwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah. And that's the story of the Jersey Devil. That's how it started Ooh. as a political insult and became a media-driven hoax. Oh. Yeah. Did you see... The X-Files about this. I meant to watch it. I've seen it before, but I didn't get to watch it last night because it was really late. <laughs> That's fine because, look, the X-Files, you got to watch it. It's X-Files, so it's very weird. Yeah, the one thing, that I, the one thing that, I, that I liked about it was that when you saw the Jersey Devil, it was a woman who looked like <laughs> she's a little bit dirty. Yeah. But her eyebrows are like fleeky as fuck, though. Like, yeah. like she just had got them done. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like this very nicely tanned naked woman with messy hair and some yeah. dirt on her. <laughs> She's like, oh, she's I'm like, am I thirsty or is she really like, is she really good looking? Also, is it both? What is the Venn diagram? Both. Oh, no. I do remember her being really beautiful, though. <laughs> I mean, like, this doesn't look like a devil. I think that's just a lady. <laughs> I think it's just a regular lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, we we talking about we're talking about uh sightings right now. Yeah. So the first sighting, other than when in, in seventeen, it was seventeen thirty-five, when mm -hmm. would be the one in eighteen one site said eighteen twelve, but then another site said eighteen twenty. All right. Weird. Which I mean, I'm just gonna say both. J Joseph Bonaparte, <laughs> Napoleon Bonaparte's older oh, brother. That's right. <laughs> Claimed he saw the Jersey Devil while hunting near his Bordentown estate. There's so much historical context. It's very to this story. a lot of historical context. <laughs> Napoleon, <laughs> Benjamin Franklin. Well, every time I talk to a woman on the internet, it's Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna get old. I'm never gonna get tired of that. And then, you just said I'm never gonna get old. Yeah, I'm never gonna get old. I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> Get a lift forever. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go on. And, uh, and then in nineteen in nineteen oh nine, there had been it says more than a thousand sightings, but I don't know oh. if that's I don't know if that's true. Holy shit! But it said it in more than one site. So that's I'm the gonna, uh, phenomenal week throughout Jersey City in nineteen oh nine. I believe that. Yeah. Is, yeah. So phenomenal week. Stephen Decatur or Stephen Decatur, however you want to pronounce it. Uh huh. Stephen Colbert, Stefan Colbert, <laughs> Stephen Decatur, uh, while testing cannonballs at Hanover Mills Works in the Pine Barrens. Navy Commander Stephen Decatur reportedly saw the creature and shot at it. The cannonball blew a hole in the devil, but it wasn't phased by the projectile. It blew a hole into the devil? 
holy shit. He's and like, it, I'm fine. He's like, all right, I'm just going to fly away now. That yeah. Is, <laughs> is this all you have? Okay, all right. Yeah. All right. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> do not quote Monty Python right I now. Do right? <laughs> uh, and then uh, they said strange tracks were found in the fields later, but uh-huh. the bloodhounds allegedly, allegedly quotes refused uh-huh. to follow the tracks because they were too scared. Oh, I added that last part. Poor babies. They was they was too scared. <laughs> <laughs> it was way too scary. Jeez. And an- another um, sighting was in 1927 when a taxi driver in Salem City spotted the devil, the Jersey devil, Ooh. while changing a tire. And uh, the devil reportedly started beating on the, the top of his cab, like the roof of his cab. What? Why? <laughs> so when you get into the mind of the Jersey devil, he's like, why did you do that? <laughs> why did you, you know you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird. And then in 1934, it was not only isolated to Jersey. They say that there's similar creatures other places. In 1934... Near South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, a huh. phantom kangaroo, which just sounds pretty cool. <laughs> like, a what? A phantom kangaroo. Ooh, that does sound great. That or, sounds adorable. <laughs> oh, it's my phantom kangaroo. Yeah. <laughs> just hopping around. <laughs> that sounds jolly. <laughs> the Danny Phantom of kangaroos was reported by several witnesses over a five-day period, yeah, and it was reportedly killed. And partially devoured several animals, including ducks, geese, a German shepherd police dog, and other dogs. Oh, right. This is the one from the documentary. Yes. <laughs> Where the policeman was like, he was missing several ducks. <laughs> like, mis- several ducks. I just love that accent. It's so, it's so bizarre. <laughs> German police dog. And then other dogs. I feel bad for the other dogs. Yeah. They're like, oh. They're not police dogs. Yeah. Now, I watched the reenactment. Yeah. It was called the, uh, the Lost Tapes. Oh, <laughs> I need to see this. We got to watch it. I'm going to do my reenactment voice. Yeah. But I'm probably going to stop in the middle of okay. the reenactment because I'm not going to do this the whole time. <laughs> okay. In summer of 2006, Christina, age 15, Joey, age 11, were at the Jersey Shore. They took the scenic route home and brought them on a detour i'm stopping this they <laughs> no, keep going. And, they, and they and they hit the jersey devil right and they thought it was <laughs> yeah. a dog at first so uh-huh. the father goes out in the reenactment they're like oh my god no what was what was that what was that that was pretty bad was, <laughs> what was that <laughs> what was that so he hits up right and then i think it's a dog so he gets out to see like it's a dog or like a deer or something so he gets uh-huh. out and then the dog just just sprints and starts running into yeah. the woods after whatever <laughs> it is, yeah. and then and then the father runs after him and he he, they, he doesn't come back. And like because he found the puppy of his dreams and the happily ever after. <laughs> so they discover the dad's bloody hat and then his they head? no his hat like not oh, okay. not not his head. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> I was like, dang. <laughs> discover his bloody hat. So they go, they pick it up in the document, like the quote unquote documentary on YouTube. <laughs> they go and they run into this abandoned house. And the father comes bursting in the door, like, a world, he comes busting through the door, like, SWAT. Boom. He's like, 
He's like, ah, ah. Like, he's like, ah. Ah. He comes through the door, right? They hide in the closet. And the Jersey Devil busts in and he's like, ah, ah. Right? <laughs> Jersey Devil's big as hell. Like, this Jersey Devil was like big as hell. He's like, ah. James, this is golden. Right? So the Jersey Devil bursts into the house. I wish people could see your face and they, and they, so, so they all hide it in the closet, right? They all hide it in the closet. And Jersey Devil's like, he's over there. He's like, he's like, right? He's breathing or whatever. So he's breathing. And he's going yeah. through the, and all of a sudden, her phone goes off. What? The girl's phone goes off in the closet. Not the Jersey Devil's phone goes off. The girl, <laughs> the girls, the girls in the closet. Like, is it all in the closet? Like, the the daughter, the other daughter. Wait, what year is this supposed to it's be? It's in 2006. What? <laughs> oh my god! In the summer of 2006, <laughs> they in the closet. All three of them in the closet. I was thinking this was like colonial times or something. Of, a, of an abandoned house, and they all in the closet, right? And then, yeah. And then her phone goes off, and then uh, the, the Jersey Devil. The way that they do it in the um, quote unquote documentary is he turns like the phone goes off. He turns around like, huh? right? <laughs> he turns like, huh? it's like a double take, like <laughs> Scooby Doo. And they're like, and then so the mom goes out. The mom is pregnant. I forgot to say the mom was pregnant. And she Ooh. goes out. And she starts fighting the Jersey Devil. <laughs> She starts what? fighting the Jersey Devil. Why is she doing that? She starts that? fighting the Jersey Devil. That's badass. She picks up a two, pretty badass. She picks up a two by four. Starts hitting this. She starts hitting the Jersey Devil on the head. Boom, boom, hitting it right. Holy shit. Boom, right. And he's like, "Oh no, he about to. She about to get killed." And then he like he runs away because pregnant women are surprisingly very powerful. And if you Heck yeah, they are. yeah, I remember one time. I was talking to my, my auntie and she was pregnant and she she had this I said something wrong, she had to look in her eye that she would kill me. And I really feel like she would. I bet, yeah. I really feel like she would. <laughs> so I really feel for this Jersey Devil, I would be scared as well. Yeah. Like, Fuck yeah. So they get away and they leave and he was taking pictures the whole time, right? Uh-huh. But then they leave and they forget the camera. What uh, what likely story? They forget the camera. <laughs> And then they drove themselves to the hospital. And the, the camera even existed. And the wife gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. Oh, it wasn't a Jersey Devil? It wasn't a Jersey Devil. And the father got some stitches for minor injuries. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the dog was safe. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, the dog was safe. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> the dog and the baby. Oh, and I don't think that you that you said this before, but I mean, if you did, because you did say that you said it before, but... The Lenape tribe called uh-huh. the area Papusing, meaning place of the dragon. The Pine Barrens. Oh. They called the Pine Barrens oh. place of the, like the place of the dragon. And Swedish that explorers so later named it Drake Kill. Drake being the word for dragon. Dragon. And yeah. Kill meaning channel or arm of the sea. Crazy. Not to be confused for the Canadian artist. That yeah. We're not talking about Aubrey. Nothing, <laughs> and then they, you know, yeah, and then, and then look, 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 look. Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of build up. <laughs> 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 <We're so stupid. laughs>
it. I said, oh, no, I wanted to talk about an ex, bro, an ex-files. Yeah. <laughs> when they figure out that it's a that it's a woman, he's like, what if it's not a man, but a, <laughs> but a woman? And then they show. Like it's shocking. Like a Sasquatch with titties. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> it's like a. It's like, it's like somebody's like, but what if it's a woman? I'm going to draw these titties on the Sasquatch. <laughs> and then the Jersey Devil looks nothing like that. Not yeah. even in the show. I don't think they did any research on the Jersey it's Devil. Like, yeah. They just really wanted to do a Bigfoot episode and give it a Sasquatch different name. Sasquatch with titties. <laughs> <laughs> They're like in the serious room and the guy like walks up to the board and he draws boobies. Really? Seriously? He's like, oh, it's a woman? <laughs> I wouldn't have known without the the crudely drawn titties. Yeah. He's making like very serious <laughs> eye contact with everyone in the room while he's doing it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, that's basically all I, that's basically all I gotta say. Look, I tried very hard. Also, I'm not a researcher. So You did a great job, James. I'm not a researcher either. But here we are, here we are. doing a research podcast. And <laughs> it so happened to be that I did very poorly in school, and now I'm talking about certain things after research. <laughs> We're very professional. And I'm very professional. <laughs> Wait, I'm getting I'm getting a call from somebody. What? I'm getting um. We're getting a call. Yeah, on the podcast? yeah, from the one of our affiliates from FM four twenty. Hello, it's Sasquatch four twenty. <laughs> oh, it's Sasquatch four twenty. <laughs> Am I pronouncing your name right, sir? Sasquatch. It's Sasquatch 420 from <laughs> FM 420. That's a, that's a great name, sir. I apologize for laughing. And right now we have a battle royale between two worthy opponents. I know one of them. It seems that you know another one of them. One of them is called uh, Chessie, the Chesapeake oh, monster. And I heard, I heard in the other corner it might be a giant mothman. Let's get down to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have a scorecard for these yeah. two monsters. I think you should go first because Sasquatch 420 sounds similar to what I sound like. So, I mean, like, maybe we should have you go first. <laughs> All right, we'll give Sasquatch a break and I'll, and I'll go yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> and, then, and then you can go. And I mean, Sasquatch can go. <laughs> All right, so in this corner, we got Mothman. His size, so I went with like just a slightly above average size. So he gets one point for size. For horror, I went a little far because I feel like Mothman is terrifying because not only is he a, a super imposing black creature with like a shadow creature with red eyes. African American you know? creature. <laughs> That's why the white people are so scared. <laughs> We're going to get so much <laughs> Um, so this giant shadow creature with glowing yeah. red eyes. He also is the harbinger of death, you know, and like lots of death. So I gave him a four for horror. He's got a little bit of strength, but he doesn't really fight. So he only gets a two for that. For movement, he gets five because he can fly. For natural weapons, he gets, he has some claws. And uh, so I gave him a four. <laughs> but for special abilities, he's got a bunch of things he can do. So he gets a 10 out of that. Which brings him to a whopping total of 26 points against your guy, whose name I already forgot. 
<laughs> Chessy, the Chessy Big Monster. Oh, right. <laughs> and I might have done this wrong because my number is significantly lower. <laughs> <laughs> Did you remember to do special abilities? No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's our first time. <laughs> Be gentle. It's the first fight. Yeah. yeah. All right, so <laughs> you're clearly winning because I just like, all right, so, all right. So I just imagine Moth, like, you just coming in and be like, oh, I forgot my uh, my gloves. I've never done this before. And Moth, man, just like wails on him. <laughs> so for size, I put a two because. Ooh, big boy. He is 25 to 30 feet. Whoa. Yeah. Dang. So, I don't know if that was a two. Because it says giant. And that's not a giant. How many? It might be It might be higher than that, James. Let's look at this. Let's, 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 let's. Look, I'm putting, look, okay. This boring thing. Let's, let's not look at it. Let's not look at it. Let me just say three now. You, <laughs> okay, keep going. I'm going three. <laughs> look, for a horror, it's not really that scary. It's just like. It's Dude, like a, he gets, he gets. A three for for being big, for that big. This is not very interesting. I'm sorry. Go on, sir. Yeah, he, yeah, he does. <laughs> He's a big boy. He's a big boy. That's a big boy. <laughs> and for horror, because mm-hmm. I mean, look, he's not really that scary, but a yeah, but a big ass, uh, like, <laughs> why I stop at that point? His big ass. His big ass is so scary. <laughs> Chesapeake's <laughs> monster's big ass is very scary. Now I, I give I give it a two. I look uh-huh. strength is look it's a it's a big monster. Give yeah. it the fucking three, Lord. Did I put yeah. two before? Yes, but I'm changing it. Changing it to three. Do it. <laughs> All right, movement. I don't look two because it's in water. I don't know how fast they go in water. Also, they don't really talk about how fast it goes. So. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like fangs and shit. So I put as fangs and as claws. So I put Perfect. six. Nice. So I have to add that up because I had a, a, a number that wasn't that before. <laughs> Wait, what about special abilities? I look, I, it didn't say anything about special abilities. Oh, that's why our numbers are different. Yeah. If we take off special abilities, I have a 16. Okay. You still win. I got 13. You still Mothman win. wins. You still win. But that guess means what? Mothman's going on to the next week. Mothman is going to the next week. But also, he's a he's a very scary African American gentleman named <laughs> Mothman. <laughs> With very very big wings. Very Ten big feet. wings. Ten feet wings. Ten feet wings. <laughs> Which definitely not a crane. It's definitely not a crane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But have have you seen pictures of Mothman? Sometimes it's just wings with like two feet coming yeah. out the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, logistically, how is that a thing? Yeah, also, like, what's happening? But then sometimes it's like like an actual person, like with like big ass eyes. It's yeah, like big ass eyes, and it's a person like in a suit or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, pick a pick a lane, bro. Yeah. Are you gonna be a little short thing, or you're gonna have a suit? You can't, yeah. but I guess short people can have suits too. You know what? Yeah, that's true. Short people can wear whatever they want, James. That's... I don't know why you're being heightest. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All right, so that was fun. 
Yeah. And I enjoyed this conversation. I yeah. enjoyed learning things. Um, I enjoyed. I really enjoyed your reenactments. They were great. I'd reenact the shit out of things. You did. You fucking killed it. Yes. And <laughs> I'm taking that comment and I'm running with it. Yeah, right. you better. Now, Put it on your dating profile. Six foot one and three quarters and really good at enactments. Really, really good. Really <laughs> good at enactments. Not reenactments. <laughs> just the first. Yeah. <laughs> really, just really good at enactments. You try to reenact I know words. it. This is going to be terrible. But the enactment, though? <laughs> As my grandpa would say, English is a foreign language. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoyed it. And yeah, that was our in-depth look at the Jersey Devil. Yeah. Thanks for joining us at the Creature Collective. Thank Hope you. Hope to see you next time. Um, follow us on Twitter yes. at the Creature Collective Pod. Okay. I think. Same name for Instagram. Yeah. You can also email us at creature collective pod at gmail if you have your own cryptid stories send me your dating profile <laughs> or if you want to date james no don't please don't send us emails <laughs> about wanting to date james <laughs> you wanna, if you want to date james send me an email personally with an attachment of your net worth because i'm trying to find a sugar mama all right <laughs> yeah covid's been hard on all of us yes <laughs> all right bye frenchie bye james